soon as I walked in here this morning, before the first service started, um, the Holy Spirit has been present in this place. And so I just want to pray very quickly before we jump into the sermon and just keep inviting and being open to the Holy Spirit of God. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time that we can spend together. And I pray, Lord God, that you would open up our hearts, truly open up our hearts for what you have for us this morning through your word. Open up our our minds, Lord God, to receive what you have for us that we may apply it to our lives. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for everything you're doing in this body. Thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. Okay, so we talked about Alaska last couple of weeks and, you know, different areas. And I, I got an Alaska story for you. Um, we were going on a hike. It was one of those morning hikes. They have morning hikes for us probably almost every morning or every other morning. And this was an amazing hike. And we got out to this beautiful area. And the person who was leading the hike came to me quietly and said, can you, can you act at all? And I said, well, kind of. You know, I'm a pastor. I, I, and I can, I, you, know, hold, you know, hold my expressions, whatever else. He goes, well, if you can't do it, just let me know because it'll ruin the whole thing if you can't you know, fake this really well. I said, I'll, I'll try it. So he comes and he gives me two pieces of chocolate that are just fake moose poop. It looks like moose poop, but it's chocolate. And he says, take these two pieces of chocolate. And he said, along the trail, we're going to find moose poop. We always do. And when we do, I want you to fake like you're eating moose poop. So I said, got it. And I was like, and we were walking a half hour and I'm just talking to people, keeping the, keeping the little two little chocolates in my hand and we're walking down. Finally, the leader says, uh, this, he says, oh, look, there's moose. We know there's moose here because there's moose poop. And I said, moose poop. I said, I actually heard that taste pretty good. And he said, well, it, it does taste pretty good. And, you know, and he talked about, you know, how it, he said, you know, taste, I said, well, you know, I, I've heard like it t- it's got a really sweet taste to it. He goes, yeah, well, he said, think about it. The moose eat all this beautiful foliage. And, you know, we're in Alaska. And he said, and they, they, it's just digested. And so it's really nutritious and good. And so I said, you know, should, should I, should I, can I eat some? And he goes, well, I'm not really sure. He goes, it is fresh, so it's, it's probably fine. But he said, you probably shouldn't eat it. And I said, well, I, like you said, it's good for you, right? And he goes, well, the, you know, the, the, the pioneers, he went into the pioneers and they would eat moose poop, you know what I mean, as part of their nutritious breakfast or something like that. And so I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try some. And they got to understand, there's like 50 people on this hike. Half of them don't know me at all. And no one knows that I have chocolate in my hands. So I literally reached down and picked up a piece of moose poop. And I'm kind of looking at it. And people start breaking. They get their cameras out. You know what I mean? And I said, I said, yeah. So I looked at it. And I took, the, I took my other hand. And I kind of popped it in my mouth. And it was people gasped. They're like, the guy just ate poop. And now they got the cameras out. They're like, Philly, they want to put it on social media. You know, go viral. This guy eats moose poop. So I'm eating that. I'm like, hmm, yeah. Not bad. And they go, you didn't really. Some people are like, you didn't really put that in your mouth. And I have chocolate melting in my mouth. I went. And they're like, oh, that's that's disgusting. That's disgusting. As they're watching, they're taking cameras, taking pictures of it. So as I'm sitting there, I had an extra piece of moose poop in my hand. And so I said, would anyone else like to try it? And one of our students, without hesitating, Nate said, I'll do it. I'll have some. (laughs) 
It's like the pastor, if the pastor eats moose poop, I trust him. It must be good. I'm going to eat it. So in his, tr- his trust in me, he reached out without hesitation. He looked at it and he said, now, I got, I got some braces. Is it crunchy? Because I don't want to get it stuck up in my braces. <laughs> And I said, no, it's kind of smooth and everything. It tastes pretty good. And so he just popped in his mouth. He didn't know it was chocolate. He thought it was moose poop. And so he starts eating. And he's like, I said, what does it taste like? He goes, it tastes like chocolate. It tastes like chocolate. So then I told everybody, it is chocolate. Only half the group heard. And when some people heard that it wasn't moose poop, they got real upset. Oh, I can't believe you faked this out and everything. And they're getting all worked up. Because half of them didn't know that, it, you know, I said it wasn't moose poop. So they're walking along, talking to each other, you know, putting it on their social media that we ate, foos, we ate moose poop and everything. But the cool thing is that Nate trusted his pastor. He shouldn't have, okay? But he did. There's trust there. There's trust there. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 tells us, trust in the Lord, not in your pastor. Okay, all the time. You can trust me. But trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know, it's great to know that I'm surrounded by people who do trust me. Who have that trust for me. We need to trust. We need to have trust for one another. But more than anything else in life. If we truly want to become. The person that God created us to be. We need to trust in the Lord. With all of our heart. And lean not on our own understanding. Acknowledge him in every area of our lives. And he will make our path straight. We're in a series called. And he will make our path straight. And this morning, what, I, what I'd like to do is talk about the next giant step in your spiritual journey. The next giant step on your spiritual path, if you will. We're talking about, we're talking about trusting God. We're talking about trusting God. When we're t- and when we're talking about trusting God, we need to talk about a journey to spiritual maturity. Every one of us, me included, we're all on this spiritual journey that will end at our death. And each one of us, every single one of us needs to be asking ourselves, how, how do I become more like Jesus Christ? How do I become more mature? You cannot walk the straight path and he will make your path straight. You cannot walk on the straight path, the path to your purpose, the path to peace, the path to joy, the path to contentment. Contentment, if you will, if your if your spiritual journey becomes stagnant. If your spiritual journey becomes stagnant, you're not going to find that peace. You're not going to find that joy. You're not going to find that contentment. You're not going to find your purpose. It cannot be stagnant. We need to keep moving forward. There are people in this room at all spiritual levels. There are some people in this room who are really trying to to understand more. They're seeking to understand more. They've come to church. You come to church and you're kind of checking this God thing out. That's awesome. That's great. Got some questions. You're trying to figure things out, but you're, you're just seeking and trying to understand more. Then there are some people who are growing in their relationship with Christ. You've asked Christ to come into your life, to take that seat in your life, and now you're growing. You're starting to grow. There are other people who are, or actively beginning to apply, uh, the spiritual truths that they learn to their lives. They're, they're, they're actively trying to live out their faith. 
in, in, in different areas of their lives at work and at home and at school. They're, they're trying to live out their faith. And then there are those who are committed followers of Jesus Christ. They are, they are committed. They are, they, are, they are totally committed followers of Jesus Christ. These are the, the people, you know, to, to live is Christ and to die is gain. For those people to live as Christ and to die as gain. But no matter where you are, whether you're, you're seeking after God and trying to understand God more, or you're a committed follower of Jesus Christ, we are all on a spiritual journey trying to get to the next level in our spiritual journey to become more like Jesus Christ. I don't care if you're a committed follower of Jesus Christ. There's so much more for you to learn. If you're still breathing, you're still learning. You're still growing. So we're all on this faith journey. Faith is trusting God with all of our hearts in everything that we do. Everything that we do. We want to trust God with all of our hearts. Everything he calls us to do, we want to have that, that trust in him. It's dynamic. That faith is dynamic and it's active. It is not stagnant. It, is never, it, it shouldn't ever be stagnant. If we want to follow Jesus Christ, we need to keep moving forward. We need to keep taking that stand and taking new ground. There's always that next step that we need to take on our spiritual journey. Again, and we're all on it. The step, honestly, it could be, it could be simple. It could be a simple step and a small step. Or it could be a radical or risky or bold step. Maybe for you, you've, you've given your life to Christ and you're growing your relationship with Christ and you're starting to move along and now you're at work and the boss is asking you to do something you know is wrong. You know it's not just morally wrong, it's legally wrong. And they're asking you to you know, fudge the numbers or whatever the case may be. Now you have to make a decision. You're, it's risky because if you choose not to do it, you could lose your job. But you take the risk and you're bold enough to say, I cannot do that morally. My conscience won't allow me to do that. Find someone else if you want to, but I'm not going to do it. It's a risk. He could fire you. She could fire you. But you take that, that risk. You are bold in your faith step. For some others, sometimes in the very beginning, it's just simple steps and small steps. But they're all steps. We're all moving in the right direction. The point is to never stop moving forward, taking the next step and then taking the next step and then taking the next step. We need to take action steps if we want to fulfill the destiny that God has for every single one of us. We need to constantly be taking action steps in our faith if we want to fulfill the calling that God has on our lives. Some people are reluctant, reluctant to take those steps because they think to themselves, okay, well, if I give my life to Christ, if I take that first step and give my life to Christ, or if I start growing in my relationship with Christ, Jesus may ask me, God may ask me to do something opposed to the plans that I have for my life already. So he may ask you to do something or he may change the plans that you already have. Let me just be honest with you. He's going to. He is going to change the plans that you have. Why? Because his plans are better than your plans. He knows you better than you know yourself. If you give your life to Jesus Christ, if you walk that road, God is going to change your plans for the better. His plans are always going to lead you into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. His plans are always going to lead you closer to the true longing of your heart, to the longings in all of our hearts. God knows our hearts better than we do. He knows what we need. He knows what we desire. 
And God will change your plans to give you everything that you were designed and created to be and do. Yes, he will do that. I'm not going to play any games here. That's the truth. But God's plans bring you to a place of peace. God's plans bring you to a place of joy. God's plans bring you to a place of contentment. God's plans bring you to your destiny, understanding your purpose in life. You're not looking back when you're an old man or old woman and thinking, woulda, shoulda, coulda. If you follow God's plans, there is no woulda, shoulda, coulda. There is no regret. You are living out your life the way you were designed to live it out. And in order to do that, you need to keep walking your spiritual journey, the right path. The one who created you understands our heart's desire even better than we do. And, and for us to grow, we need to come to that realization. He knows the purpose for which we were created. And since he loves us, I want you to think about this. Since he loves us enough to send God the Son, his only Son, to earth to die on the cross for us, is it not logical to believe that his ways are best? He loves you more than you love yourself. He loves you more than anyone will ever love you and he is perfect and knows everything about us isn't it logical then to believe to have faith to trust trust in the lord with all of your heart lean not on your own plans isn't it logical to trust the one who knows us better than we know ourselves and knows our lives and knows this world better than anyone else will ever know it so here's what i want to do this morning I want each one of us, including myself, to determine where we are in our spiritual journey. And then ask the question, how do I get to spiritual maturity? How do I grow in my faith? Where am I? Where am I in my spiritual journey? And then how do I get to that place? How, how can I take an action step to move me closer to maturity in Jesus Christ? That's the goal. So this is a part one sermon. Okay, next week we'll, we'll do it. If I get it done next week, great. If not, we'll take another a week to figure it out because we want to keep taking these, these steps. The first group I want to talk to, though, are truth seekers. You've come in, you're, you're just learning about this God thing, okay? I'm not really sure about this. We had a, a gentleman come in this morning and an hour early, and basically we were talking, and he said, you know, I just came in off the street kind of thing, like I was driving by, and I just felt like God was, you know, calling me to, to be here. And we talked, and he's, he talked about a faith journey. He wasn't much too sure about it, wasn't too sure how to move to the next step, or not, not, didn't understand a lot of this Christian, you know, stuff, and and uh, gave his life to Christ in the first service. We're all on that faith journey. Each one of us is on that faith journey. So we need to understand where we are and how do we take the next step. So the first group I'd like to talk to are truth seekers. Some of you are trying to figure out this whole, like I said, this whole God thing. You have a lot of questions. You, you feel this spiritual pull Somewhere there's a spiritual pool that God is somehow talking to you, but you can't put it into words. And so you're here trying to figure all of that out. That's awesome. I was in that place at one point in my life, kind of asking questions, trying to figure this out. And what, 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 what does it mean? And how does it affect my life? And so you're in a process of seeking. God is in the process of drawing you, of calling you. Okay, the Bible says he calls So God's in this process of calling you and you're in the process of trying to figure out what does this look like? He's calling you to himself to get to the next step in your spiritual journey. You need to understand something extremely important. 
This is an important truth. Before you can really go really any further, this is one important truth that you need to totally understand. You have a sinful nature. Okay? You have a sinful nature. You say, well, that's a good way to start things out. Well, it's true. Um, Before you can truly ask any other questions about why does God do this and why does God do that, that's great. We can answer. I can sit down and answer a lot of those questions. But the first thing you need to understand to take that next step in your spiritual journey is that you have a sinful nature. Your mind needs to grasp that truth before you really ask any more questions. Now, here's the thing. When I say, when the Bible says people have a sinful nature or if a pastor brings it up, people like get all defensive. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm not a bad person. I didn't say you were a bad person bent on evil and destruction as you sit here this morning. I said you had a sinful nature. Could you, could it, unchecked, could your sinful nature lead you to evil and destruction? Absolutely. Absolutely. But this isn't about you're a bad person. This is about all of us have a sinful nature. Okay, we need to come to grips and understand that you need to understand because you're you're trying to get to the heart of the matter. So if, if you want to get to the heart of the matter, first, you need to identify what's the matter with the heart to get to the heart of the matter. You need to identify what is the matter with the heart. Why am I struggling? Why? Why can't I when you try to accomplish something? Why am I stuck in the Bible? The heart is the seat of sin. Okay, it's the seat. It's the seat of of sin. It's from the heart that sin expresses itself in different experiences of our lives. So when we sin, when we sin against someone else, we hurt someone else, when we do something wrong, it starts here. And that's the experience. It expresses itself into everyday experiences in our lives. Because the heart is the seat of sin. It's why you can't break that bad habit, honestly. It's why you can't break that pattern, bad habit. It's why you, you're stuck in that pattern. You're like, well, how can I? It's like, it's like your wheels of, of your wagon are stuck in the rut because they've been running that rut for so long. And God comes along and picks them up and puts them on a new path. But right now, you're stuck in that rut and you're saying, why can't I overcome this on my own? Why can't I pull myself up my, my own bootstraps and just deal with this and stop getting stuck in this habit or this pattern in my life? It's why you can't break free from that fear. That fear has gripped you your whole life. It's because of your sinful nature and the the fact that Jesus Christ is not on the throne of your life. It's why you can't overcome that fear. It's why you keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. It's why you can't control your temper. No matter how many books you read or how many things you go to, you can't ultimately control your temper. Given the right circumstances, you're, you're gone. It's why you're becoming the person you never wanted to be in your life. You look in the generations before you when you're younger, you're saying, I'm never going to be like them. But now you're getting a little older and you're saying, how can I, I'm becoming the person I never wanted to be. Sinful nature. Sinful nature will always, sin always progresses and always leads to, it always leads in the wrong direction and the wrong direction is ultimately Physical or spiritual death. Sin invades your heart like an enemy and is sitting in God's seat. Sin has invaded your heart like an enemy and is sitting in God's place. That needs to change. That's what we're talking about. Taking that next step, that that needs to change. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 3 says it so perfectly. 
This is the unfortunate thing about everything that happens on earth. The same fate awaits everyone. The hearts of all people are full of evil and there is madness in their hearts during their lives and then they die. That's discouraging. That's the Old Testament. Then God said, God said from the very beginning, that can't be the, that can't be the last word. That's true. Can't be the last word. You say, well, that's the Old Testament. What does the New Testament say? Well, Jesus said essentially the same thing in Matthew chapter 15, verses 18 through 20. He says, but the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And these things defile a person. Listen to this. For out of the heart comes evil ideas, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These things, these are the things that defile a person. It is not eating with unwashed hands that defiles a person. It is true. Jesus is saying it's true that there are some outward temptations that all of us need to overcome that, that will pull on us uh, as human beings. Out, things on the outside. People do things to us. People lure us in certain things. But honestly, essentially, the reality here is the problem essentially comes from within. It is from within, from the heart. Because again, the enemy has seized the heart and is sitting in God's place. And that's why you go, why? I don't understand. How can I keep doing this? Why can't I overcome this? Why am I still afraid? Why can't I? Because your sinful nature is sitting in the seat that belongs to God. It's from within. It's from within that corruption comes out and destroys our lives and the lives of the people all around us. It comes from the inside, not the outside. We don't like that, but it's true. I'll give you another quick example. About a couple years ago, I really got tired. And, and I, I mean this in love, uh, so hear, hear my heart. People come to my office and they would say, um, I got drunk, or they got drunk, and drunk, 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 and so I did this. I was drunk, so I did this. And I listened, and finally I said to, I just, I said, listen, let's just be honest. You got drunk so that you could do this. See, it's an excuse. I'm a good, I'm, I'm, uh, I don't have a sinful nature. I'm good at heart, all that kind of thing. So I got drunk. Oh, oh oops, oops. By accident, I guess. And then I went and did something horrible. No. You wanted to do, you wanted to sleep with that person, or you wanted to take this, or you wanted to do that, so you got drunk so that you could do it. I never had one person argue with me. Because it's true. We have a sinful nature. God created us, and with God's help, we can become all that he's created us to be. We can, have the, we can ultimately, okay, ultimately have the mind of Christ. We can be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. But if you don't understand your sinful nature, how can you sing amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, when you don't understand what grace is? If you don't understand your sinful nature, you can't understand grace. You cannot understand the very foundation of our faith if you don't understand that, I, that Jeff Greer has a sinful nature. Left unchecked, I am capable of horrible things. But the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus Christ, has taken up residence in this, on this throne. And so the power of the Holy Spirit of God can overcome my sinful nature. They'll battle... But there's only room for one in here. And he's taken his place. 
So when my sinful nature tries to rear back up, the Holy Spirit of God gives me the strength to overcome it. That's truth. If we don't understand that truth, we don't understand anything that we're singing here on Sunday mornings. It's because of that sin, this is important, that we are separated from our loving God. It's because of our sinful nature. We were all born with a sinful nature. David said it. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. It is because of that sinful nature that we are separated from our perfect and loving God. Here's what you have to understand. The more you feed the sinful nature through unbelief and a lack of discipline, the greater power you give to that part of your life, the greater power that it has And once it has that power, it establishes a foothold and then a stronghold. We need to understand those truths. Once you feed it, it gets a foothold and then a fortress. It is difficult to tear down a fortress. God can do it. God can do it. But when you, whatever you're feeding, whichever part of your life you're feeding, that's what's going to take root. That's going to get a foothold. That's going to get a fortress. The solution to our separation from God the Father, okay, God doesn't like this whole thing. So the next step in your spiritual journey, if, you, if you're seeking, if you're looking, you're asking questions, the next step in your spiritual journey is to give your life to Jesus Christ. You've been thinking, you've been, you're thinking, well, I want to learn more. I want to know more. I want to be a better person. Once I'm a better person, I don't want to say I'm a, you know, that I, I'm a follower of Jesus or whatever. If I'm not a good, you're making a the mistake. That's not what it's all about. You can't be good enough to make your way to God. It says, while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. So God's solution to the separation problem is Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ. Here's the thing. Sin separates... God is perfect, and he cannot be in the presence of sin. So there's a separation, all right? God cannot be in the presence of sin. And so his solution is Jesus. Romans 3.23 says this, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us, every single person on this, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, I, I don't believe anyone here, to be honest with you, is offended by the fact that God calls us sinners. I know in churches now, you're not allowed to bring that kind of stuff up. Talk about sinful nature, hurts people's feelings, it's politically incorrect or whatever else. I cannot, in good conscience, lead this church without explaining the truth to you. Nothing else makes any sense if we don't start from the foundation and tell the truth. I don't think any of you, raise your hand here if you're perfect. Raise it up. Anybody? Nope. Me either. Put my hand in my pocket. No, we're sinners. Everyone understands that. It's not that offensive, okay? We all know that we fall short of perfection. God is perfect. God cannot be in the presence of sin, okay? We are imperfect. Therefore, there's a gap. Therefore, that gap needs to be bridged. God loves us so much that he, that he bridges that gap through his son, Jesus Christ. The answer to the problem that, that we find ourselves in is Jesus Christ. That's God's answer. John 3.16 says it so simply. For God so loved you. Put your name there. So God so loved Nancy or John or Courtney or anybody. For God so loved you. Okay. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. In Romans 6.23 it says this. For the wages of sin is death. 
Separation from God, okay? The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, the gift of God, the amazing grace of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's God's answer. God the Father sent God the Son, Jesus Christ, his only Son, to take the penalty, okay, of sin by dying on a cross. Now, I keep encouraging you to read your Bible. I'm going to tell you why it's so dynamic and so amazing. What I'm going to read you next, okay, was written a thousand years before Jesus was even born and 500 years before crucifixion was even invented. 500 years. Someone prophesied 500 years before crucifixion was even invented how Jesus was going to face his death. Not just in one place. This isn't luck. Multiple places in the Bible. Psalm 22, read it when you get home. Isaiah 53, 5. A thousand years before Jesus was born, 500 years before crucifixion was even invented, shares the gospel. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. There's the gospel. I don't even need the New Testament to preach the gospel. That is the truth of God's word right there. When we ask Jesus to come into our hearts, I want you to get your pens out. If you're not getting this week with Pastor Jeff, it's like I take the sermon, I rewrite it and send it to you every single week. Because there's going to be some things here. Someone said, man, that's a lot of information. Okay, you can write it down, but I'll send it to you as well. Call the church office, make sure you're getting it. You're on the list and you're getting it. Okay, when you ask Jesus Christ, now you're here, you're, you're seeking, you're, you're trying to figure out what God's pulling on your heart and he's calling you and you're, what's my next step? All right. So when you give your life to Jesus Christ, that is called justification. Just, you have been justified. A good way to remember this is just as if I've never sinned. All my mistakes, all of my failures, All of my sins are wiped away. I am forgiven and they are forgotten. We talked about this about a month and a half ago. God not only forgives us of all of our sin, but he forgets them. If you went to God the next day after you asked for forgiveness and said, I'm really still bothering me, God, about this, he would say, what are you talking about? Well, you know, blah, blah, blah. He'd say, no, he chooses to forget So we have been justified just as if I'd never sinned. Now when God sees me, he no longer sees Jeff Greer. He no longer sees me. He sees his son. If this is me, I'm not Jesus, not even close. But if I'm being Jesus for a second... God the Father is here. Jesus stands in front of me. When God looks down, he no longer sees Jeff. He sees his son. The blood of Christ covers me. Completely covers me. So God no longer sees my sin when I ask Christ to come into my life. He only sees his son. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says this. God made him, listen, who had no sin. He was the only perfect person ever in the world god made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become listen to these words these aren't just words the righteousness of god i am righteous i we are the bible says we are royal priesthood a holy nation a people belonging to god how can we be called priests how can we be called righteous how can we be called holy you know yourself i know myself if you said, are you righteous, holy, and, 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 and unperfect and standing? I'd be like, mm, no, no. Now, 
with Christ in my life, I am. In standing with God, I'm righteous before God because Jesus Christ is righteous and God sees him. I'm holy. Why? Because I'm covered with the blood of Christ and God sees his son. That's what he's seeing. This is amazing. When you sing that song again, remember the sermon. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Justification, just as if I'd never sinned. We can have, this is so amazing. When Jesus Christ died on that cross and covered us, and we ask him to come into our lives, he covers us over. He's in front. He is our advocate. He protects. He He's everything. But when Jesus Christ did that and died on that cross for us, it gave us the ability to enter into the very presence of a perfect, holy, loving God. We, ha- we can come into, we can pray. When you, you, we pray now like Christians, it's like no big deal. Oh God, we pray, Father, we pray, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. It's like no big deal. It is a gigantic deal. And it's why you say at the end, in Jesus' name, That's why you say that in Jesus name. You're praying it in Jesus name because he has given you the ability to enter into the presence of God. Like Adam and Eve had that Adam and Eve had that intimate relationship in the Garden of Eden. What the first Adam failed to do, Adam was tempted and failed and sinned and, and sin entered the world. The second Adam, the Bible says Jesus, the second Adam came and when he was tempted, he did not fail. A perfect, why do, they, why do you think they sacrifice lambs in the Old Testament? Lambs and, she, and sheep and, and uh, goats and, and doves and all that kind of stuff. The blood, they, they, they spilled the blood. Why do you think Jesus called the perfect sacrifice? Why do you think they don't, people don't do that anymore? They don't sacrifice anything else because the perfect sacrifice was made. The perfect sacrifice. He who had no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. This is amazing. This is amazing. God, a perfect holy God, can look at Jeff Greer and be pleased because I'm covered with the blood of Jesus Christ. God, I can enter into a relationship with intimate relationship with God like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. I can enter into the Holy of Holies. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ did. Because God loved me that much to give of himself, if you will, to die on a cross. So you've moved now, in your mind, you've moved from, from calling, God calling you or drawing you to justification. So now, boom, in standing with God, you're perfect. You can never be more perfect than you are right now. Next thing, as we walk through this process, now you try your best to live your life like Jesus. Are you going to do it all time? Are you going to fail? Yes, you are. But you try. Your goal, now that you're in standing with God, you, it's, it's, it's done. Justification, just as if I'd never sinned. The blood of Christ covers me. Done deal. Now you try to live every single day to become more like Jesus Christ, to be conformed, the Bible says, to the image of Jesus Christ. When you are justified, okay, the Holy Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity comes in, the Holy Spirit comes in and begins, begins to, 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 to help you to grow, 
to, to guide you on your path, to, heap, to help you understand the deeper truths of God, the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Justification, Holy Spirit is given to you, and that gives you the ability to understand the Word of God better. It, it's, it's like, you know, you have your conscience. Everybody has a conscience. When you get the Holy Spirit, it's like the volume is turned up. Because he begins to speak into your life and helps you understand what to do and what not to do, to discern what's right and what's wrong. And that whole idea of moving forward and trying to become more like Jesus Christ, you have justification, is called sanctification. Sanctification is means set apart for God. I have been, God has, boom, justification, justify is if I've never sinned. Sanctification is being set apart for God. Justification is a, is a once for all thing. Boom. Justified. It's done. Sanctification is an ongoing process through your whole life now. You are continually being sanctified. Continually being sanctified. When you mess up, you ask for forgiveness and you ask forgiveness in Jesus' name and you are forgiven and it is forgotten. Forgotten. With God's help, each and every day, God helps us become more like his son, Jesus Christ. Will we still sin? God calls us in his word not to sin. Will we still sin? Yes. But when we do, we can ask forgiveness in Jesus' name and we will be forgiven. Why? 1 John 2, 1 and 2. Listen to what it says. My dear children, I tell you this so you will not sin. Have a good morning. Right? I tell you this so you will not sin. But, it's a good word, but if anyone does sin, that's reality. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also the sins of the whole world. There it is. If you feel, if you're a Christian, you're feeling condemned, that's from the pit of hell. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Let me say that again. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The Holy Spirit that God has given us convicts us of our sin. We ask for forgiveness. We are forgiven and we need to move on. Whether we feel it or not, we need to move on. If you feel condemned as a Christian, that is a lie. We sang that song. Jen reads the sermon. He picks the songs. He shuts the mouth of the liar. If you feel condemned because, oh, I messed up again, I messed up again, I feel I'm such a loser, I'll never get forgiven, that's condemnation. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In the end, after we die, so we have justification, we have sanctification. In the end, after we die, we get glorification. We get a glorified body. It's called glorification. 1 Peter 5.4 says this, And when the chief shepherd appears, when Christ returns, you will receive the unfaded crown of glory. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 30, it reminds us of this, Those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also what does it say? Glorified. Is there a break? Is there any break theologically from calling to glorification? This is extremely important. When you give to your life to Christ, God it says those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. If you're still, you are still going to make mistakes on your spiritual journey. But when you do, when you do, okay, 
Christ is going, Christ is there. When you gave your life to Christ, God sealed you in the Holy Spirit. These are just theological, biblical terms that you need to understand. When I give my life to Christ, God seals my life through his Holy Spirit. The seal, the idea of that is the king has a signet ring. The king, all right? And the king has an envelope and he puts the wax in the envelope and he puts a signet ring in there and that cannot be broken, okay? It cannot be broken. The king has sealed the letter. Done. And that's what God has done through his Holy Spirit. When I ask Christ to come into my life, I have been sealed. The Bible also talks about adoption. I have been adopted into God's family. There is, there, again, we, there is no break from, from calling to glorification. And then we are adopted into God's family. The context of Paul's use of adoption is the Roman law, where if you're adopted under Roman law, you cannot be unadopted. The point is, when you move to that next step in your spiritual journey and give your life to Christ, you did didn't do anything to earn your salvation. You can't do anything to lose your salvation. It is sealed by the Holy Spirit. You have been adopted. You're no longer the creation of God. You are a child of God. I am a child of God. I am a child of God. That's what the song says. You are a child of God and you cannot be unadopted. It's done. It's over. You can rest in the fact if I lost my mind and went out and did something massively stupid and was put in jail for it, I'm going to heaven. My my future is sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. Romans 8.15 says, For you have not received the spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. It's like Daddy. You call the God of the universe Daddy. That's how close and intimate the relationship with God is. In John chapter 6, people say, well, you can lose yourself, but you can jump out of his hands. John chapter 6, is 38 and 39. Here's what it says. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of God. This is the will of him who sent me. The will of God. Sealed, signed, delivered. This is the will of him who sent me. I shall lose none of all he has given me, but raise him up at the last day. He called, okay, and he gave you to Jesus Christ. And the raising up of the last day, that's glorification. There's no break between the calling and glorification. We are set. We need to understand that. You know what that's called? You've heard these phrases over and over again. It's called, that is called freedom in Christ. I have freedom in Christ. The little bumper stickers, I'm not perfect, I'm just saved, and people can't stand them because they don't understand what they're talking about. I am not perfect, I'm just saved. I have freedom in Christ. I can go out, you can go out and get totally wasted tomorrow night. Because you had a horrible, horrible day, a horrible, horrible week. Did you sin? Yep, you did. Does that derail you from your faith in Jesus Christ? Not at all. You get on your knees, you ask God to forgive you. I really messed up. I didn't depend on you. I depended on this bottle. You were not enough for me, Lord. You were not sufficient for me. I needed something else. Please forgive me. I did not trust you with all of my heart. Please forgive me for that. And God says, you're forgiven. Let's not talk about it anymore. I don't want to hear about it ever again. I have forgotten. That is sin is wiped clean. No need to discuss it. Oh, boy, I still feel bad about last week when I... What what are you talking about? That's called freedom in Christ. 
I want to give you a chance to experience that kind of freedom this morning. If you've been seeking, if you're one of those people that God has been calling, you've been seeking God, you've been seeking after him, I want to show you, I want to help you take the next step on your spiritual journey. I'm going to ask you to take that next step in your spiritual journey. I want you to bow your heads with me. The next step for you, those that God has been calling, you've been kind of seeking, you've been asking questions, I have clearly laid out what your next step is. There's no misunderstandings here. Your next step is to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart. Your next step is to take your sinful nature, the sin, the enemy has positioned themselves on the seat of your heart. That seat does not belong to the enemy, it belongs to Jesus Christ. Your next step is to kick the enemy off that seat and ask Jesus to take it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Your next step is to ask Jesus Christ to come. That next step on your spiritual journey. Let the Holy Spirit come into your life. Ask Jesus to take that throne and start doing his work. Let the Spirit start doing his work. So here's what you need to do if you want to take that next step. It is not rocket science. It's simple. It's a gift. You can almost hold out your hand if you want to receive this gift. And to receive this gift, you need to recognize you're a sinner. It's not insulting, it's true. I am a sinner. You need to recognize that you are a sinner. You need to agree with God that you have a sinful nature and that you're separated from Him. You just need to agree with that truth. If you agree with that truth, the next thing you need to do in your heart, you don't have to say anything out loud, you just need to say this in your heart. You need to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart to take his rightful place on the throne of your life. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Take your rightful place on the throne of my life. Ask him to be the Lord of your life, the director of your life, in all circumstances. Just say to God the Father, God, adopt me into your family. I know you created me. I know I'm your creation. I want to be your child. Adopt me into your family. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Just ask Him. Adopt me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Ask Him to show you who you truly are. Ask Him to help you to stop living for the, 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 the world around you and start living to an audience of one. That's all that matters. The only one that matters is God. Live to an audience of one. Ask Him to help show you your true purpose, your true identity, who you are. Just say it in your mind. God, you know, I know know I'm a sinner. I want Christ to come into my heart. I want Him to be Lord of my life. I want you to adopt me into your family. I want to be filled with your spirit. I want to know my identity. I want to know my purpose. Just say that to God. There's, again, there's no magic formula. You're just, you're just saying it from your heart. Even if there's different words than the ones I just used. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you've made that decision this morning, I just want you to hold your hand up for a second. If you've, if you've said that out loud in your heart, I want you to hold your hand up. Just raise your hand up for a second. Amen. 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 So here's how we're going to close out this service. Not going to make you, I'm not going to 
bait and switch and make you uncomfortable, make you come up or anything. I would have said that in the beginning if I was going to. But here's what I'd like to do. I'd like all of us to come up front as we close out with this song. I'd like all of us to come forward and fill the front of the stage and sing this song in praise to our amazing God. Let's just praise him for all those people, the, the just multitude of people who have raised, just raised their hands this morning, who've prayed that prayer, who've made that statement and given their lives to Jesus Christ. Let's celebrate with them. And if you've made that decision, you raise your hand. If you could, please. Pastor David's up here with some books. We want to help you take the next step in your spiritual journey. Just connect with him real quick. He'll give you a book and connect with you. And we will help you. We will help you and guide you as you take the next step on your spiritual journey. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. We pray, dear God, that we would lift our voices in praise to you. The angels in heaven are rejoicing. They're singing, Lord God. And we pray that we would as well. That we would sing and the Holy Spirit of God would just pour out through us. And that your son, Jesus Christ, would be glorified through it all. And that we can be in your presence. We can kneel in your presence and just sing this praise to you. Not to each other. To you. In praise to you for what you've done this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on up. Let's, you're going to start playing. We're going to start singing. Come on up. Just feel the front here. Let's just fill up this whole front section.